one knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. That's right. Another edition of Poker Action Line is now on the air. And thanks for joining us. We hope you'll uh, stick around for the whole show as we uh, talk about the world of poker. Uh, the television schedule for ESPN and uh, the World Series of Poker was released. And we'll talk a little bit about that. It gets underway uh, this upcoming week. So uh, it should be fun. Yeah, and I love they lead all the way up into... They get all the episodes right. set up right up until the final table. Exactly. And kind of the, the strange, well, I'll get to that in just a second. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and update a couple of uh, things that are going on now. Uh, out in Los Angeles at the Legends of Poker, they are in day four of the main event of the World Poker Tour action. And uh, they got underway a little late today, uh, a little bit after 1 o'clock uh, Pacific time. So we, as we do the show here, it's only about an hour, hour and a half in. Uh, they were down to 13 players entering today. Uh, chip leader was a fellow named Will Vo, William Vo, with 4.1 million chips. And uh, some of the other players uh, entering today's action uh, with pretty good chip stacks. Uh, Barry Schulman, the, uh, of course, the editor of Card Player Magazine and owner of Card Player Magazine. Also, uh, Ben Zamani, Benjamin Zamani from Boca Raton, local right here in South Florida, had 2 million chips heading into the day. And Pat Lyons, slightly more than that, at, at uh, 2035000 And Jeremy Kotler, who uh, was the leader after day two, went in with $1.8 million. Uh, the other players of, uh, moving into today's action, David Pham, Garrett Greer, who finished uh, second down here at, in the uh, big tournament in Seminole Hard Rock back in April, uh, finishing second to Justin Young. Uh, Garrett, 800,000 chips. Uh, Rafael Ferreira de Oliveira. Uh, Ray Quartemy, who finished third uh, in the high roller here just uh, a couple of weeks ago at the Seminole Hard Rock in the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open, uh, the one that uh, Marv Rettenmeyer won. Uh, Quartemy is uh, heading into the day at $1.1 million. Will Givens, who we know from uh, having defeated uh, uh, Angela Prada Moed in uh, the tournament she finished second out in Vegas a couple of uh, years, ago. years ago. Three years ago. He was the winner ago, of that bracelet. Uh, Todd Peterson still alive, Gary Sewell, and uh, the fellow with the name, uh, poker name that I like the most. Which is? You remember? No, I can't remember. Anyway, that. He, he entered the day with uh, 2.665 million, so he was actually in second place entering the day. Fellow from Brazil, Upeshka da Silva. Upeshka da Silva. Just love that name. Anyway, they are playing along, and two players have been eliminated thus far. Uh, let's see if we can give you any kind of chip leader if anything's changed. I know that William Vo has dropped a little bit. He's under 4 million chips. And uh, they are playing now. Barry Schulman is out. He was out in 12th place, and the first player eliminated was Gary Sewell. So they're down to 11. They are going to play down to 6 today. So kind of a short day out there at the bike in uh, Los Angeles. And they will uh, finish it up tomorrow uh, with the final table that will be taped for television in the new season of the World Poker Tour. Anyway, uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Obviously, we're not going to have uh, too much more information on that tonight, but we will give you the results next week as we keep an eye on the World Poker Tour, which is underway in their new season. Um... 
Also, we'll be following uh, World Series of Poker Circuit, which will... Actually, the circuit event will kick off the televised uh, aspect of the World Poker of the uh, World Series of Poker uh, television shows on ESPN. That is the Global Casino Championship, which is kind of like the end of the year uh, tournament, but also the beginning of the new year. So uh, they played it up at Harris in Cherokee, North Carolina, and that ended just April 11th. So most of the players that finished and played at that came down to South Florida to play in the uh, Hard Rock Poker Open. Anyway. Uh, this coming Tuesday, September 6th, the day after Labor Day, we'll start the uh, broadcast, and it'll be two shows. Now, I mentioned that the shows are on Sunday this year. That's not 100% correct, because uh, they're going to start on a Tuesday, which was the old uh, day that they always showed poker. But they're going to start on, uh, because of Labor Day, they're going to kick it off right after that with two broadcasts back-to-back to 10 and 11 o'clock, two one-hour shows uh, recapping the Global Casino Championship on ESPN2. That will be Tuesday, September 6th. And then the following Sunday, which is one week from this Sunday, they'll start with the main event uh, coverage. I think it starts with some of the early stuff, but mostly day four action. And that will kick off on September 11th, Sunday night, uh, 8.30 p.m. with an hour and a half show. And then there'll be a second show at 10 p.m. So, uh, every Sunday, pretty much, not every Sunday, but, but most of the Sundays from now through the uh, November 9 will be Poker Night on ESPN, World Series of Poker Action. They do slip in one Monday show on the 19th uh, to catch things up. So uh, I think because they have to start late on the 18th, they'll get one show only, and then they'll have a second show uh, on Monday the 19th. So uh, we'll follow that, and we'll watch some of the shows. I did see a video today of an interview that... Uh, Sarah Herring did on Poker News with William Kasouf, who is the uh, gentleman that played against Stacey Madison. And, uh, oh, the guy who made the move. Made the move and had the, uh, had the uh, uh, suspension for one round, one orbit. And really it didn't seem like it was, it was all that nasty or, or bad. It's just, I guess, a normal difference between poker in Europe and poker in the United States is that uh, they call it a table or uh, they call it... Uh, uh, voice play or something like that uh, is part of their game to get under people's skin, and we don't see that very much here in the United States. Well, we we used to see that. Remember that the the World Series of Poker put, kind of put a big penalty on that, where people were taunting and right. getting up, and you know that that was like about seven years ago, it seven eight years ago, hand. and it got out of hand, like you said, and uh, you know then the WSOP kind of put an end to that to that type of thing. So our version of that now is that Hollywooding and uh, the stalling tactics that they use to make calls, which to me is even more annoying. That that's, is more annoying because, you know, it's not even fun to sit there and watch, but no. if someone's at least entertaining with their uh, mm-hmm. with their needling. Yeah, exactly. You know, at least that makes for entertaining uh, watching, you know, and um, to me that, you know, that, that uh, taking forever is what's stopping this sport from going, this game from going to the next level. At least big time on TV. Right. You've got to make it exciting. Well, in the interview, he came off pretty well, actually. It was kind of interesting. He's a, actually a lawyer, uh, has the British accent, and uh, uh, he does use it as part of his game. And I guess it can be uh, somewhat effective uh, with the right people in the right situations. Uh, obviously, you can't discuss the contents of your hand, uh, but if you're kind of... Uh, and I guess you could use it in, in, in a couple of different ways. Like if you're telling people, oh, you, you really should fold, you know, I got you here. And you might we used you to might see, figure out that that's the opposite. That's, yeah, exactly. Well, you, you, you're trying to figure out, is he telling me the truth? So I think he's telling me the opposite. You know, they, they use that. 
Uh, we used to hear talk like that on the tables a while back, and I don't know to what extent it got. You know, obviously Stacy here in, on in studio went over the details and everything else, and it warranted a penalty of a round. But you know, you've seen Daniel talk through it. He doesn't kind of go at the people, but he's he's kind of like saying, "So, do you have that Jack Queen?" He's looking for a reaction out of them. Right. You understand? Which, in a sense, is similar to what this gentleman did. You know, because he was trying to to, to uh, get a reaction out of her to the point where she where she would make a mistake, and that's exactly what happened when she yeah. folded. Obviously, her it worked. Hand. She folded queens. Exactly, and had the best hand. So you know, he was able to get under her, you know, under her skin and and get to her. Um, you know, Stacy not being, I guess, a uh, a seasoned player. Uh, even though she's part of the, <laughs> part of the uh, grinders group there with teaching their school and and having you know learned some poker from from Rob and, and Michael and stuff, but you know you got to pick that with the right people. I think a top pro would have picked that off with him. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, as we know, uh, he had several other incidents along the way, including uh, the hand that he got knocked out. So uh, I I think that. Uh, and we we mentioned it the night that Stacey was on with us and when we talked about it, that he was definitely going to be uh, kind of the star of the show. And, you know, there's some people that are irritated by him and there's people who are entertained by him. I'm sure that all the people that will be watching around the world, uh, especially back in Europe. Just look at these reality shows that we have, yeah. some of them that are out there. I mean, they, they've definitely got an audience. And poker will have an audience for that. Yeah. You know, and as you said, whether you liked it or you didn't like it, it got us talking about it, uh, which is a good thing about, the, you know, and, and in a positive way. Oh, you know, well, it could have been seen as entertaining. It could have been seen as, you know, something nasty and underneath the table. We're going back and forth. And regardless, I think it's it's generating a positive feedback from, from that right. particular uh, incident. Well, we remember we uh, discussed the year before uh, Kyle Karanen, who was a chip leader at the time, ran into it with the fellow from Nebraska, Curtis Rystad, and that was kind of an entertaining uh, interplay that uh, Karanen didn't really find so entertaining, but obviously uh, <laughs> uh, made the show a little more exciting and entertaining, and, uh, uh, you know... People remember that the stuff. They talk about it. They said, "Hey, you got to see this." So then, when the replay comes on, you know, you're definitely uh, going to get a better audience. Yeah, so it's a very positive. I TV. agree. You know, and it, and if it's handled in the right way, so it doesn't get too nasty, too contentious, uh, you know, it, it does make for good TV. So anyway, that all kicks off on Tuesday, uh, September sixth, with two separate one-hour episodes of the Global Casino Championship, which was played in Cherokee, North Carolina. Uh, and, and just a short time ago, uh, finished on the uh, August 11th, so uh, kind of a quick turnaround for the editing there. They've been working on the other stuff for more than a month, more than that. But this was the uh, culmination of the circuit season from the previous year that ended, you know, I guess around uh, April or something like that. A hundred players earning free seats into that event, and they also opened it up for a $10,000 buy-in. And uh, from what I hear, 26 players. And, they, and you said they got that. this ready for the TV. How quickly? Well, it ended the 11th, and uh, they're coming on the air here September 6th, so about three weeks. Okay, yeah, all right, three, three and a half weeks. They probably don't have as much volume of stuff to go through as they do on the main event, several days of the main event, so uh, that's, there's the big difference there. Yeah, you're right. I'll tell you, but <laughs> do you remember, Dave, or is it just my imagination when the World Series of Poker and ESPN kind of you know, got married together and they started showing this? Remember, ESPN would show different tournaments leading up to the yeah. main event. 
The Poker and Players Championship used to be covered, the $50,000 buy-in. Right, and uh, am I mistaken in thinking that the, you know, the, the event may have been over a week, and already we were watching footage later. You know, I don't remember it being, you know, you only such have a, six, seven weeks. Time. Yeah, you, you only had six or seven weeks. And I remember watching tournaments mid-June. So these tournaments had to have been two weeks, two and a half right. weeks at the most. And it made, to me, for so much more exciting TV when it's something... That's just right there. Like you said, I've mentioned it many times on the show here. I, I, I don't really care about a poker tournament six months down the road. and That you know what happened. Well, that's exactly. part of it, too, maybe, is if there is a long period of time, you kind of forgot who won, and who, who was in the final well, table. Well, you know, what I enjoyed so much about it for me, I'm just talking, you know, myself, uh, the WSOP was, yeah, you know, if you didn't follow it as closely as we follow it now, but... You know, it was the excitement of, you know, you've seen those rooms filled up back then, you know, when it was starting like that. You know, it was the moneymaker era. And it was building up. And, okay, well, this only happened two weeks ago. It's still kind of fresh. You know, I, I could see how they build up to that. I wish somebody would tell me what it takes to build up to the excitement six months, seven months down the line to see a poker tournament. I, I I just can't imagine. I mean, maybe we should ask Gio how hard it is for the production because, you know, he's got to put our show together at the end uh, for TV and stuff. But, you know, how how much work has to well, go into it? Well, I think it can be done. Let's put it that way. If you want to do it, uh, if you're under a deadline or if you want to get something on the air quickly, it can be done. You know, it's probably long days, 10, 12-hour days of editing and, and putting together stuff. But it can be done. You remember that... Uh, when they had that first ladies' night at the Poker Night in America, it was supposed to be on six months later, and it was such a big hit that they played in December and they put it on in January. So uh, that's it what can I'm be talking done. about. And, and and like you said, it was such a big hit. It was entertaining. The ladies made it very entertaining. I don't know. I, I, the poker world's got to look into trying to get these things to get on the air a little quicker, especially if they want to grow grow the game. Right. Well, anyway, uh, that all starts in, uh, sometimes on ESPN, sometimes ESPN2. Uh, it's different each week. In the beginning, it'll be on ESPN2. And uh, the big problem for them, I guess, uh, schedule-wise, is that uh, these broadcasts will be up against uh, Sunday Night Football, NFL Football on NBC. So, uh, you know, there'll be some problems there, people <laughs> switching back and forth, no question. Uh, just to look down the road, the live coverage of the November 9. Uh, starts October 30th. Of course, the uh, presidential election here in the United States is the first week in November, so they bumped it up a week. So they'll start October 30th. Uh, they'll start at 8.30 p.m., then they'll be on at 8 o'clock the next night, Monday. Uh, the first night, they'll start with the number, November 9, play down to four players. Then they'll come back with the four and play down from four to two on Monday night, and then the heads-up play on Tuesday night will be... Uh, the finish. Uh, it's called semi-live because there'll be a 30-minute tape delay, and uh, you know we'll see what happens. It's, it's uh, obviously uh, some interesting players this year. Johnny Bax, uh, Cliff, Cliff Josephy is uh, going to be a big chip leader going in, and uh, you know it's kind of spread out, but uh, it should be fun. And there's some interesting players this year, uh, including uh, the second uh, chip fell in, chi in second chip count. Uh, has, I believe, no career caches as far as WSOP goes. So that should be interesting. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, I'm hoping it's as entertaining as last year. And the year before that, was that the one that Ryan Reese won it and Jay Farber came in second? I think that was three years ago. That was three years yeah. ago? 
What was the one that came out? Two years ago. Oh, was it the, was, was the three fellows that played all night long. Yeah, the, no, the one uh, after Ryan Reese was the uh, European champions where we had the three guys right, that were from. Uh, Martin Jacobson. Yes, there yeah, you go, no, Martin Jake, Jacobson. Jake Balziger. Yeah. And, uh, the and I'll tell you what, they've been in uh, very. I mean, I've. The final table play has been pretty interesting. Yeah, it has been. And I, for some reason, even though Joe McKean kind of put a stranglehold on that final table, I, I really enjoyed watching, though, you know, when they finally got down to six players and finished and went out that way. I missed the first night. But I thought it was very entertaining. Anyway, the the regulars are back. Lon McCarron, uh, Norman Chad, Kara Scott will be doing the interviews uh, tableside. And then they'll have the uh, interesting uh, uh, strategy pieces from uh, the magician Antonio Esfandiari and Phil Locke. Uh, there will also be some guest commentators popping in from time to time, including Phil Helmuth, Olivier Bousquet, and Daniel Negreanu. So it should be a lot of fun, and we'll be looking forward to that. Uh, one other uh, tournament that I wanted to mention, we were on the air last week with the uh, uh, EPT Barcelona, which is a very big event. And uh, we never really got to a finish there. So uh, although I don't really know almost anybody that was at the final table, uh, I do want to pass along that the winner of the main event was uh, Sebastian Malek. Uh, he uh, is the winner of that event, uh, taking home uh, 1.12 million euros. Uh, Yuri Reichenstein was second. Adam Owen was third. And... Uh, there was a fellow named in finishing seventh named uh, Harsharan Dogra Dogra. So I don't Dogra, know. Dogra Dogra. <laughs> who may take over is my favorite name in poker. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the 10,000 euro high roller was won by uh, American Connor Drynan. He won 849,000 uh, euros. Uh, Kyle Karanen, who we mentioned earlier, finished third in that one. Ari Engel was fifth. Uh, Joseph Chong finished in sixth place in that one. So uh, that just kind of wraps up the action over there. EPT Barcelona, which is a very big event, and they had a, a very uh, successful turnout for that one. So uh, pretty interesting uh, as they uh, as they went at it there and uh, set all kinds of records as far as their uh, the players went. The high roller field was 591 players with a 10,000 uh, euro buy-in. So that's a pretty wow. good uh, yeah, nice there as well. Anyway, one other thing before we go to break, I want to mention here in, here in South Florida, here in the state of Florida, uh, big news coming out today out of uh, the courts as uh, there was a ruling on this three-card poker. Uh, we had talked about it the last couple of weeks. And, and while a, a lot of the casinos down here that have slot machines are not as worried about it, in fact, a couple of them were, were playing three-card poker and ultimate Texas Hold'em. Uh, which is these games uh, that are separate from the poker room. They're in the poker room, but they're, you know, they're games that you play against a, a banker, which is really, you know, I don't know, it's not usually an employee, but another player that kind of banks the game, and the players are playing against this bank. Which is the, the house how they, they is, do that's it. how they do it in uh, California. Right, that's how they get around the law, which, uh, which uh, prohibits house-banked games, and the Indians are allowed to do that. So they have these games, and they were the ones that complained to the state, so um, a few months ago, we had a ruling out of Jacksonville that the judge said uh, that these games were not legal, and uh, it was up to the uh, Parimutuel Commission, the Department of Business Regulation, uh, to look into it uh, and uh, make a ruling. They were trying to put a stop to it. Uh, but today, uh, it came out in the news uh, from the News Service of Florida that uh, Judge Gary Early uh, wrote a decision and said that the DBPR 
has taken an activity that it previously found to be legal and authorized, and by repealing the rule and simply being silent on its effect, determined that activity to be prohibited. The evidence is conclusive that by its repeal of the rule, the department simply changed its mind as to whether the playing with a designated player constituted the establishment of a prohibited banking game. It previously determined such games were lawful. It has now determined they are not. So he ruled against them, and uh, the places will continue to, to have it. So good news for uh, West Palm Beach, uh, the Palm Beach Kennel Club in West Palm Beach. Um, Daytona is a very big action yes, on that up do. there. You I, saw that up there, I Jacksonville, and a lot of the places over on the well, West Coast even, too. Even I was at Magic City this week, and Magic City had a few tables running with the thing. And you know they they changed it. They changed it by uh, you know the, they have one card poker. Do you remember what we used to call one card poker, Dave? You know what we called one card poker because we didn't call it one card poker. They no. do that to to AC Ducey? No, war. War. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that was war. That was yeah. war. So they now call it one card poker, okay. so they could get away. Well, I know they it. have two card poker. They have three card poker, uh, and of course the regular game five card poker. But uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, the uh, the Paramutual Wagering uh, Division approved the games in 2012. Of course, the Seminole Tribe complained about it. And because the compact is on the line, whether it's going to be the new one is going to come out, uh, I guess that kind of held everything up because they're waiting to see what the ruling was this was going to be. And uh, apparently uh, they haven't, the game, the places, most of the places have not stopped running them, and they'll continue to run them now since they got this ruling in their favor. Yeah, well, you know, listen, they're they're the big boys on the block. They've been pushing everybody around for many years now. You know, it's it's about time they give up a little something. Think about it. This is a regular banking. I mean, yeah, you might have some deep pockets out there that have come in with $50,000, but at Daytona, and I don't know about West Palm Beach, I don't know if you've been there because I haven't been yeah. there in a while. Mm-hmm. You know, I was looking at maybe $2,000 on the table for, towards yeah. the banking. I mean, it's money, but it's not its not something that's going to affect the hard Well, rock. just like in real life, those so-called bankers are raking it in, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure they are. I'm sure they are. Anyway, now, uh, so that's going to continue. So uh, uh, it's, it's, it brings in $90 million a year, supposedly, for the paramutuals. So... Uh, We'll see what, uh, and, you know, it's, it's a good thing for them. I think uh, the important thing is, uh, you now know, it it's not really how poker. Much? Let's put how it much does it bring in? $90 million a year. That's what they, that's, those are the that's numbers on the yearly? That's, that, that was one story here. That's, uh, seriously. Yeah. Listen. It sounds like a lot. That's a lot. If regular poker, top poker rooms are doing what? Ten, twelve million, if that? Yeah. Like, you know, th- those are the top poker rooms. How many do we have in the state? There's no way they're bringing in $90 million, whoever wrote that report. Yeah. There's just no way. Okay. Well, let's move on. We'll uh, look into that at another time. And uh, let's take our first break in the show. Uh, we'll tell you about Gulfstream Park, uh, which is having a big weekend this weekend. They're calling it the Summer Soiree, which returns every month, the first weekend of the month. And this will be a big weekend out there, Labor Day weekend, uh, September 3rd, 4th, and 5th. The third is going to be the Florida Sire Stakes. So uh, they have some great racing coming in, some great horses. And this uh, party that takes place up in the uh, Ten Palms uh, Buffet, uh, very interesting. And uh, we invite you to check out the website. Check it out. Gulfstreampark.com is the place to go and check that out. 
But uh, great racing, and of course they'll have some very interesting poker action in a, in a very full room uh, this weekend. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah, listen, we we have always had a lot of fun playing poker there and just going to enjoy all the fine restaurants, everything that's there. I haven't yet gone into the to, to the Pegasus though. That's what I'm still waiting. No, for. I, well, I'm not even sure if it's open to the public. To be honest, I don't they think still it haven't opened it. Well, I thought they were going to open it in August. They use it for parties and special things, but I don't think it's open to the public yet. Okay, well, it's... it's I'll uh, try to find out a little more about it, but uh, basically it's there for a show. It's like uh, it's like the uh, the idol of Baal from the Bible. <laughs> Old biblical story. When they built a... came out with a commandment, uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me. <laughs> so, don't, so don't worship so Pegasus. Th- well, this is Frank Stonek's uh, tribute to racing, and uh, I guess in some ways to himself. But uh, you know, hey, when you go, you know, when you've done that much for the community and for uh, the sport, let's uh, we'll cut him some slack on that. Uh, anyway, it's located in uh, the southern part of Broward County, uh, just north of the Dade Broward line on Federal Highway 901 South Federal Highway is the address if you want to put that in your. Uh, uh, GPS when you're heading over there, but it's east of I-95, in between 95 and the beaches. Uh, the best exit to get off is Hallandale Beach Boulevard because it's on the corner right there, and you, you can't miss it. It's uh, it's one of the great places here in South Florida, just a beautiful area, and uh, you know just great views of the track, and uh, the poker room is nice and clean. They have two casinos, the Finish Line Casino on the first floor, Pearls up on the second, and there's really all kinds of things to do, not just in the track and in the casino, but also around the Village of Gulfstream Park with great shopping and dining and uh, entertainment as well. So check it out. It's located, again, 901 South Federal Highway. If you want information about the poker room, like what games they're spreading, when their tournaments start, how many chips you get to start out with, all that sort of thing, give them a call at 954-457-6336. That's 954-457-6336. Gulfstream Park, welcome to your playground. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the play-for-free demonstration 
and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. So, you know, I'm a dog, and I'm kind of new to this family, but I've noticed a trend. My humans do this thing where they go around and get all my toys and hide them in this basket, but it's always the same basket, and it's always the same place. And then they act so surprised when I find them, but I'm like, hello, that's where you put it last time. Humans are the worst at hide-and-go-seek. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Back to the show. Big Dave and Joe here on Poker Action Line, uh, talking about some of the big events around the country. And uh, I kind of want to get into a couple of things uh, over the next few weeks, uh, kind of geared to the uh, uh, the smaller player, maybe the player that's out there uh, making plans to kind of get better and maybe go out there on the tour, but listens to podcasts and listens to uh, uh, watches TV shows and tries to learn as much as they can about uh, the game of poker and that sort of thing. But uh, certainly, uh, you know, there's room out there for more people, but there's a learning curve out there, and that doesn't work for everybody. No, and, you know, learning curve usually means you're going to be paying for the learning curve. It's like an education when you're playing poker and you're starting in this game. But those that prepare themselves best for it, you know, they're, they're, that curve gets, gets flatter and flatter where you're making, you know, you're, you're getting to the positive side of it. And, Dave, compared to when you and I were learning this game so many years ago, you know, there's so much information out right. there. I mean, you know, you remember that when uh, Doyle Brunson wrote Super System, people were, you know, the top poker pros were very upset that he was giving away uh, house secrets, you know. It's like giving away the recipes to to the meal making in, in, a, in a five-star restaurant. And now, you know, with 2 Plus 2 Forum, all the magazines, Andy Up, that you write for, you know, there's so much information out there that a person who's breaking in very new can pick up the game so much quicker. You know, the online sites that you can still get on <clears throat> and just see so many hundreds and thousands of hands right. in, in a short period of time compared to what we, what I had to go through, which was, you know, playing playing in your basement, playing at a, at a social club, you know, wherever we set up the game at whosoever buddy's game it was. And you were playing maybe, you know, couple of hundred hands in a, in, in a, in a week. Right. Yeah, yeah. That could be a couple of hours now, practically, especially for these young people who can play multitask, 12, 12 multitask and play 12 tables at once. God bless them. I guess the, you know, the, the, uh, them growing up with all the different video games has allowed them to maintain that, that uh, concentration for that, uh, that I know I can't do that. I've been able to get up to maybe three tables, and I'm, you know, banging my head against the wall because of the way the 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 speed of the game but you know those players out there Dave who who want to learn the game have the 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 means and and you know to to do this now because of of all the great books and videos and and just getting in play and actually playing it using that information and putting it to to practice uh, online even if you can't get into a brick and mortar casino online you're going to get more hands so the learning curve is is a lot shorter than in our time period where you you would go a whole you know long period of time maybe sometimes even a couple of years before you were able to fully understand the game and right. the nuances 
And you have to kind of be that way, Dave, because we've seen the game evolve from the style of play from 20, 25 years ago to the way it is now. Right. Well, I looked at an article that came out last week uh, on Poker News by Carlos Welch uh, called Five Lessons, The Transition to Becoming a Semi-Pro. And he's a guy that went out there and tried to become a professional player and really didn't have the success. So like everybody thinks, oh, wow, you go out there and you hit one big tournament and all of a sudden you got a huge bankroll and everything's hunky-dory and you're traveling all over the country. But it's it's kind of the exception rather than the rule for people to be successful. A lot of people go out there, commit a lot of money, and that's what he did. He, he, he became a professional and really had very little success. Uh, then compounded his error by getting some backers and still not having success. He felt terrible when he got knocked out of tournaments and started owing these people and, and getting him back money uh, that he owed out. And uh, really, you dig a hole that you can almost never get out of. So he went back to uh, something that he says, turning back to from a professional to becoming a semi-pro and really taking some of the heat off. And he used the... Uh, the famous movie, a Will Ferrell movie, uh, about the ABA called Semi-Pro. And he used some of the situations in that movie, a very interesting article, the way he wrote it. But I want to talk about some of that. Um, you know, you've always wanted to uh, maybe give it a try out there. You've yes, always wanted to play the main event. But you've had a career uh, running poker rooms and being a manager and, and everything. Raising a family, yeah. putting girls through college. <laughs> and, and the commitment of uh, going to it full time. Uh, do you still have that in the back of your mind, the thought of going on tour and, pl- and going from place to place like we these tournaments we talk about every week? N- uh, not at my age and not at where I'm at in my life right now, Dave. You know, um, what I would love to do. And it would be maybe, I don't know if this is where you're going with with this article since I haven't read it. I would love to go out to Vegas, you know, and have the disposable cash to play in these tournaments or play in the satellites to try to win my way into these tournaments. Listen, anybody who's played poker for as long as I have, you know, you dream of, you know, playing in the big tournaments just to see if you can do it. You know, and when you win some smaller online tournaments and you've had success, you know, you've had to have had some sort of success as a poker player to continue at this because if not, you know, you just can't keep getting smacked in the head and eventually do this. Now, what this gentleman did, I don't mean, I don't know how good or bad, but we've had many of our guests here. And I'll tell you what, one of the greatest poker players in the world right now out there on this show told us that he was this close to giving up the game, and that was Jason Mercer after winning a tournament, right. and he thought the same thing, and all of a sudden, if you don't change your lifestyle as far as spending money and how much money you were putting into these tournaments and the traveling expenses, you know, a lot of people don't realize, you know, you've got to book your hotel, your flights, you, you know, a lot of eating it. outside, you know, eating out every night, it, it becomes very expensive, and what have we heard? We even had when uh, TJ was on our show, you know, saying that you know you're lucky if you cash in 15% of tournaments and you only make a deep run cash every so often. You know, so if you're not having success at cash games or bringing, you know, generating some other kind of uh, income, that money can go very quickly, and all of a sudden, you know, you lose two or three tournaments, and the confidence goes on you. And like you said, now there's backers. Right. So now all of a sudden you're in the hole for forty, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars. You can't you can't even see over the top of this debt and think how the hell am I going to win a tournament? 
And for me, I don't know about you, Dave, but if all of a sudden I owe somebody 150, you know, because they've been backing me up waiting for that one score, and all of a sudden you do have that one score and you get $180,000, and you realize you can't keep any of that money because you owe it to people. I don't know. That, to me, would make me extremely depressed. Well, he says, let's start with his first uh, lesson. He says, follow your dreams. So that's where you start. You know, if you decide you want to go play poker, he said for him uh, that, unfortunately, dreams can become nightmares. And that describes his uh, life in poker for the first six months. Uh, I mentioned that he got backers. He lost their money. He felt worse. Uh, So he decided that, uh, you know, he said, when I go busto, I have to get a job. So that's what he did. He went back. He was a teacher, and he got a part-time job teaching. And he said basically uh, he got to the point where he could use his disposable income to play on his own money. Instead of uh, worrying about other people paying for him, he felt better using his own money. He said when he wins, he gets to keep the whole profit. Uh, If he loses, well, then he doesn't play again until the next paycheck or he gets a little money saved up again. So he started his career uh, with somebody backing him up? Well, he started his career on his own when he had problems. He he went broke. He he went broke. Yeah, he doesn't go go into exactly when or what he paid off, but obviously he won some money here and there, and it just wasn't uh, enough to keep him going. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's advice that I'd give anybody, you know, have your own money. I mean, granted, you can play you can play with other people's money now. It all depends on what kind of a great or, or you know, arrangements you've made for that money and how to, how they're going to get it back. So he, anyway, he talks about uh how he went on to uh to to balance this and go from a professional career to a semi-pro. So he does play tournaments, he does travel occasionally, tries to play more tournaments near his home. But he said, don't put all your eggs in one basket. He said he was a former teacher, uh, and he, uh, when things weren't going well, he started doing some tutoring here and there, some substitute teaching, and basically not depending on uh, poker for his, uh, his, his primary source of income. So he said uh, this was better for him. Uh, he doesn't depend 100% on his income from uh, work. He also uh, can you know, depend on some of that poker income, and he can have more flexibility in choosing what assignments he takes for work as a, in addition to what tournaments he's going to play. Okay, and you know, it doesn't, the one thing I would have liked to have known before this starts, and I don't know if he addressed this in the article or not, but you know, how successful was he? Well, he doesn't get into too You much understand, for him to have made that decision and that leap to turn pro. Yeah, he doesn't yeah, get you into know, that, that too much. That's what I would have liked to have known. What, what, what prompted him to think, hey, you know, I think I could take this to the next level. Right. You know, was there a whole bunch of success prior to that or what? Because that that's what I would like to know. Yeah. Well, obviously, when you're winning your home games every week or you're uh, doing pretty well online, you start to think, well, I could I could do what these guys do. It's like anybody. Uh, he compares it to uh, Jackie Moon, the character in Semi-Pro, that when he was interviewed after a, a ABA basketball game, he said, what, does, what got you into basketball? He said, well, I, I watched on TV, and I said, I can do that. <laughs> and and poker is, it was the same thing for, for Carlos. Uh, his third lesson is promote yourself. Uh, which for him involved uh, doing some writing and getting some things on the side where he could actually uh, get more writing gigs, get more uh, uh, poker playing appearances, maybe do a little broadcasting here and there, uh, have a Twitch stream stream, uh, appear on different podcasts and social media and that sort of thing. So he said, uh, if I spend less time actually playing poker, I could do more of these things to increase my public profile. 
And he said that that kind of same shameless self-promotion uh, leads to more income, which in turn leads to uh, a happier semi-pro poker life. <laughs> yeah, I'm hearing this story, and you know, you, you could probably put thousands and thousands of faces behind this thing that people who have done this. Right. You know, I mean, uh, I I've definitely thought about it when I thought you know that I was a you know playing really well and having a lot of success in private games, and you know, then I then then I took it to another level, and uh, you know. When you get spanked a little bit at that level, you kind of <laughs> say, "Okay, <clears throat> I gotta, you know, rethink this thing, situation and and see if I've done enough, you know, uh, study to advance to this next level." And you know, there are learning, you know, situations that you have to go through at each level and. It seems like this gentleman just didn't see that right off the bat. Right. Uh, his lesson number four is try new strategies, which is kind of an interesting idea. He said, you know, when you're pressing out there, when you're down, when you owe people money, when you're not, when you're on a bad uh, roll, he said, yeah, you're afraid to try out some of your harebrained ideas uh, at the felt. But he said, if you uh, just occasionally, uh, you know, uh, have other money coming in that you don't comp- depend on all your income from poker. He said, you know, you try a few different things. Uh, you know, the, he said maybe the idea to try a cold four bet bluff uh, to, came to somebody in a dream. So, you know, that's uh, some of the things. He said, I can, uh, you know, the downside of making mistakes has less of a negative impact uh, because he's not depending on the money for his basic expenses. Uh, what I'm hearing there is uh, an old uh, gambling uh, saying, you know, scared money never wins money. Exactly. And that's and that's true no matter where it is. The moment you're you're thinking about what is going to happen if I lose this money, you might as well have thrown it away already because you, you you're not going to make the correct decisions. You got to be able to play poker uh you know, with a little bit of reckless abandonment towards your money. You know, you got to sit there and, have, you know, there's going to come a point you want to get it in there with good cards, but, you know, like he says, somebody made a four, you know, a, a cold bluff four bet. <clears throat> there comes a time where you need to make a move and show that you're not afraid to make this move to get the respect of the other players at the table. And when you're playing with scared money, you just can't do that. You you can't pull the trigger. You right. can never pull that trigger. And his lesson number five is go with the flow. And what he means by that is basically once you've decided that you're not locked into being a professional poker player and depending on it for your entire income, he said there's other things you can do. He said you know his teaching, his writing, his podcast appearances, and that sort of thing. He kind of uh, just went with the flow. And he said sometimes. Uh, you know, having a full-time job in the poker industry and being playing occasionally on the side, he said, might actually be the holy grail of semi-pro poker. Well, the one thing he didn't address there, Dave, and, and it could be, but, uh, you know, my experience has shown me that um, you need to build up a bankroll that is strictly used for playing poker. Right. You got Poker has to be, to me, for the people that I have found to be successful with this, is... You know, you have bills to pay, so money has to come to pay those bills. So now you want to make poker your career. You want to make poker. Your, let's let's not even use the word career. You want to make poker your business. Well, you have to have for, for business expenses. So you you need to grow that, and you know, you don't want to take money from there until you've reached a certain point. Like if you start with 
let's just assume $10,000 bankroll. You're playing in a 1-2 games, maybe some 2-5s. Win, lose, you're keeping track of your records, Dave, and then you get up to 20000 You've built that bankroll up to 20000 Now maybe you give yourself $5,000 of that, and now your bankroll is now at fifteen, right. And you work from there till you get to 25000 and give yourself, again, another 5000 And you kind of keep building your bankroll that way, and you're building your business. And you're building your business. Now, playing tournament is very difficult, as you know, as, as we've had our guests tell us. It's, you know, we see all the success and all the limelight on those all those shows that we talk about on this program. But, you know, it's very difficult to get there. No one ever talks about the cost. You know, uh, he should be addressing the point of where you see, oh, you know, this guy's lifetime earnings are, you know, twelve million. He's won in poker tournaments. Mm-hmm. Well, no one tells you he may have lost ten million in tournament, you know, in other tournaments, and some of that two million could have been, you know, from backers. So, you know, there's a reason why these people constantly keep getting backed into these tournaments. Right. You understand? Because not all that money is there. You know, the, these numbers are kind of a little bit of a, a smoke and mirror numbers for, for a lot of these players because they don't get to keep all that money. Interesting uh, couple sentences of his conclusion. He says, we constantly hear about serious poker players taking the leap to turn pro. Uh, the idea of this scares even some successful players who have made many millions of dollars from encouraging others to do the same because they know how hard dealing with the variants can be. And he said, so if we heard more stories about people turning semi-pro, he said maybe the transition would be a lot easier. And it, I just it kind of touched a nerve with me because, you know, I go out and cover some of these events. I'd like to play in a few of them and have the money to maybe play in a tournament once in a while, play in a few charity events and that sort of thing. I don't think I could do it on a regular basis. And I don't know what your dream is still uh, uh, as far as that goes. Your family considerations uh, obviously cut into that. Uh, I don't have a family, so I, I, I would be able to do it if I wanted to. I don't think I have the uh, the patience and a perseverance to stick it out on a long-term basis. But if I were traveling and writing about events, covering events, and then played a few here and there, maybe had one nice score that uh, that paid for the year, who knows, maybe got to a final table and that sort of thing, and it would change things completely, I think that would make me very happy. Yeah, if you had the one big score, yes. But, you know, it becomes a grind, Dave. Yeah. Well, I don't yeah, want really, the grind. That's yeah, sure. Well, see, you don't want the grind because I used to play in three, four games, you know, 20 years ago, you know, I knew where my Tuesday night game was, I knew where my Thursday night game was, my Friday night game, and my Saturday night games were, and I was still looking, and this is with me having a young family at that time, but I was bringing in good money on the side, I was having a lot of success, you know, it's funny, in my poker, and I don't want to say career, but in my, my poker lifetime, you know, whenever I've been running really well, you know, outside of poker, you know, where I was generating a lot of income bringing into it, I'd go to the tables, and yeah, I I would have my losing sessions, but my winning sessions were really big, you know, uh, compared to my losing sessions, I was on a, you know, again, I wasn't afraid, I wasn't afraid to put in money where I thought, you know, I had a slight edge, you know, you they, obviously nobody has a problem putting in their whole stack when they're they're ninety to ten, you know, nine to one favorite. Now, when you're trying to push, uh, you know, a, a fifty-two to forty-eight advantage, you know, you got to get a feel for the game, you know, and you go, okay, you know, this guy's going to have this many outs against me, you know, you, you're you're calculating all the things what you're putting your opponent on, and I was able to make the right call back then. 
And then when, you know, life took a different turn, I was afraid to lose the money. And I realized every time I'd go play, I'd I'd wind up losing only because I didn't want to put myself, I didn't want to move anything in without having the nuts. And you can't play poker, you know, because no one's ever going to give you action if you're constantly doing that. Yeah, correct. So uh, we'll see. But I thought that was a pretty interesting article. And, you know, it's food for thought, uh, whatever you want your career to be. Just don't lock yourself into thinking you're going to be successful immediately as a a full-time player. And maybe this is the way to uh, approach the game in a different manner. Yeah, and and like you said, you you know, you you have the time. I mean, I'm saying you have, because you don't have other commitments outside to yourself, that you could, if you wanted to, and, and, and you had the inclination to, to put all the time into the poker world, but you just said, I don't know at our age now, Dave, if if I'd even want to, even if I had the opportunity, which I don't because of my family obligations and, and because I don't want to be away from, from certain, you know, my grandchildren and everything else. So uh, Bernard Lee, one of our guests that's been on here many a times, had, you know, kind of does both between running his job, his family, and playing poker very successfully on the tour. If I could do something like that, that'd be wonderful. That'd be nice. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's take our last break in the program. We'll uh, finish up with some updates on that uh, WPT event out in Los Angeles at the Bicycle Casino. Uh, the uh, Legends of Poker going on and finishing up, uh, well, tomorrow will be the final day uh, as they tape the TV table, but uh, they are down to 11 players, and we'll give you a quick update when we come back from the break. But let me uh, tell you first about Gulfstream Park, located in Hallandale, down here in South Florida, a big weekend out there. The summer soiree takes place in the Ten Palms from 1 to 5 p.m. on Saturday, this Saturday, September 3rd. Uh, sweets and treats for the entire family. And also for the adults, they'll have champagnes and Rieslings from around the world. So it's the second event of a three-part summer soiree series. And you can get your tickets by calling 954-457-6201. That's a little different number from the one we normally give you for the poker room. Uh, 954- Four four five seven six two zero one to reserve your spot there. That's this Sunday at one o'clock. Racing starts at twelve forty-five, and it is a big weekend there, no question about it. With the uh, the Florida Sire Stakes, so some great action out there as well. Uh, they have a big uh, uh, carryover in the Rainbow Pick Six, one hundred fifty thousand as of today. Uh, whether that will be still alive on the weekend, we'll have to uh, find out. But uh, post time again on Saturday is uh, 12.35. I think I said 12.45, but 12.35. So they'll have plenty of uh, racing this weekend with the uh, top horses coming in for the Sire Stakes, and it should be uh, a great weekend out there. Also, the Poker Room, if you want to know where that's located, it's on the back side of the Finish Line Casino. 20 tables in the back there, nice and clean and, and uh, a lot of fun. Good place, uh, well-run Poker Room. Uh, run by Scott Poole, and uh, we've been doing spots for them for quite a while because we love going back there uh, very often to play and always have a good time there without whether we win or lose. Let me tell you, Gulfstream, yeah, I, have a, I, I have as much fun in the poker room as I do outside in all the different venues that they have outside to have Frankie Sports Bar, you know, Texas de, Texas de Brazil, Rio. It's just a great time there, and, and you know you can bring your family and have a great time. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, all that going on this weekend on September 3rd, but it, uh, it's a good place to go just about any day of the week. Uh, racing is Wednesdays through Sundays. Uh, the poker room is open daily, uh, around the clock on the weekends, but uh, 
uh, closes at 4 a.m. Uh, during the week and reopens again at 9 a.m. So, or I believe 9 or 10 a.m. 10 a.m. I think is, is the actual reopening time. But uh, you can check that out, and they have lots of specials throughout the day. They have the loyalty rewards program, so a lot of great stuff going on there. It's Gulfstream Park, located at 901 South Federal Highway in Hallandale Beach. Tell them the Big Dave and Joe sent you over. This is Poker Action Live. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro, is all about the NHRA Full Throttle Drag Racing Series. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the first edition of NHRA Nitro. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, listen to the program. This is our final segment, a short one here as we finish things up. Uh, keeping an eye on the Legends of Poker out in Los Angeles, the WPT action. Uh, they are still at 11 players. Uh, they started this afternoon about uh, a little after 1 o'clock uh, Western time, uh, Pacific time, I should say. And uh, here uh, it is, uh, what, about 7 o'clock. So they've been going for about uh, two hours Something like that. Two players have been eliminated. Gary Sewell and Barry Shulman uh, have been knocked out. They are down from 13 to 11. They're going to play down to six. Uh, chip leader is William Vaux with 4.31 million chips. Uh, Upeshka De Silva has moved up to second place, 3.41 million. Pat Lyons is third. Uh, some other highlights here of the uh, final table. Ben Zamani from uh, Boca Raton, 2.15 million. Will Givens is at 1.2 million. Garrett Greer, 800,000. 
Ray Quartemy, 560,000, and Jeremy Kotler is the short stack at 490K. So uh, they're playing it down to six as they go out there. Just a quick look at some of the other things going around around the country. Uh, they're getting ready for the main event out at Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas for the World Series of Poker Circuit. That tournament started uh, earlier this week, uh, the series from August 25th through September 5th. So they'll finish things up on the final day on Monday on Labor Day. Uh, then they will be moving to Biloxi for a tournament right after that. And then uh, about 10 days off before they go to southern Indiana outside of Louisville for the Horseshoe Southern Indiana Classic. Uh, then the third, three tournaments after that, they'll be coming here to South Florida at Palm Beach Kennel Club in November 10th through the 21st. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, also, uh, World Poker Tour will be moving on uh, from Los Angeles, and uh, we'll get to some of that schedule. But uh, mainly, uh, we're kind of biding our time before the November 9, and we'll definitely need to uh, talk to some of those players if we get a chance uh, between now and then. Yeah, and with all, and with all these tournaments coming around, and uh, me having been in Daytona, I'd like to mention the PPC Poker Tour, which just had yeah, a local absolutely. stop here. In the one week, they had a stop up on Maryland Live with 453 entries in their main event, which was huge. They hit the guarantee on the second day of the flight, mm-hmm. and they had two, two, two more flights to go, so they crushed uh, the $75,000. They, I believe it was a $170,000 prize pool and a $75,000 guarantee, so uh, they Tremendous success there, and then they also had a tournament up in an Indian casino up in uh, St. Croix, up in Wisconsin. So uh, like to congratulate Brian and Sandy on, on having a tremendous uh, success with their with the smaller poker tour that, that that's you know uh, guided towards towards the smaller players. Yeah, I guess they had three final tables on the same day. Yeah, in, in, diff- in different places. Yep, in different places. And you're going to be heading out to a couple events later in September. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm going to have to leave my partner Big Dave here with with his guest hosts uh, because I'll be gone. I'm leaving on the 20th of September to Council Bluff uh, Harris property in in Iowa. Uh, I'll be there from the 20th through the 25th, and then on on my birthday, the 26th, I fly into into uh, Kansas City, another Harris property that uh, we're doing with the PPC people, and I'll be there till the second when the when the main event ends uh, from the 20, I want to say the 28th through the second of October, and. I get back to sunny Florida, and hopefully it'll be warm Florida, because I have a feeling it's going to be a little chilly when I'm going up there to yeah, those places. Yeah, it gets down cold. Uh, I'm headed to Indy myself this weekend, and I know that overnight on the weekends it's getting down to 55, 56 degrees. So, Which, for, so the winter, for all of us, something. Don't, don't call us babies down yeah, here in South sure. Florida, buddy. That's cold weather for us now. For sure. So. Uh, by the way, uh, all our friends on the west coast of Florida, we wish them uh, a safe weekend here as it's already started to pour over there from the... Uh, uh, tropical storm here, mean that uh, is headed across the northern part of the state of Florida. So, uh, I think Tampa is getting the brunt of the uh, the rain right now today. Yeah, and uh, even yeah, though the center it, of the storm is way it north looked of nasty it. on the Weather Channel when I was watching where it was coming in. And too. of course, our friends up in Jacksonville uh, and great rooms up there. Best bet uh, Jacksonville, best bet Orange Park. Uh, we wish them a safe weekend because the storm is going to cross right across the. Uh, the big curve, as they say, in Florida and across the state and, uh, you know, merging in Jacksonville. But there's going to be a lot of rain. They're talking about 10 to 15 inches of rain in some places. So we've, we've seen, seen the, the flooding we, in, yeah, in, in Louisiana. Say, yeah, flooding and, uh, in Louisiana. And we've had, 
you know, not in comparison, but I've had a lot of flooding up by my area. And Florida can can handle because of the sandy soil can handle a lot of rain, but uh, unfortunately, uh, when you get that much in such a short period of time, it can be devastating. Yep. It can ruin your property. Yes, for sure. it can. Uh, I did want to mention uh, the uh, WPT where they are headed after this tournament ends tomorrow at Legends of Poker. Uh, they got several weeks off. Uh, they are actually going to the Borgata for the Borgata Fall Open. Uh, the main event doesn't start till the 18th, but uh, that'll be a $3,500 buy-in for the Borgata Fall Poker Open. Uh, the whole series starts t- September 6th, so not a big uh, delay there. But after the Borgata, Maryland Live, our friend Mike Smith up at uh, Maryland Live, Jason Heidenthal, and some of the other guys that used to work down here in South Florida, We'll be hosting a big event from September 24th through October 5th. The main event starts October 1st. And then the aforementioned Jacksonville will host the Best Bet Bounty Scramble uh, in mid-October. The 14th through the 18th is the main event there, $5,000 buy-in. So always lots of great stuff happening uh, as guys get ready for the November 9 to get their games ready. We've seen a lot of them playing quite a bit, so... uh, we definitely will uh, have plenty to keep an eye on here on the program uh, over the course of September. Yeah, and hopefully these telecasts, as, as usually will, usual, will probably be very good with ESPN. So I'm looking forward to watching it all the way up until, until we get to the finals. Yeah, this uh, is coming Tuesday, September 6th, is the Global Casino Championship that was played in North Carolina at the Cherokee, Harris Cherokee. And that will be two shows, two one-hour shows, 10 p.m. and 11 p.m. on Tuesday, September 6th. And then the main event coverage uh, gets underway at 8.30 on the 11th of September. Uh, That's going to do it for the program. Uh, I appreciate all your help, uh, Joe, and uh, contributions to the show as usual. Gio, uh, thanks for all the hard work as uh, As always always (laughs) on this program. And we will uh, be with you with another show next week. We'll line up a couple of guest hosts. most likely, uh, Mark Perlman would join us for one of those shows, and then uh, we'll talk to maybe Chris Bolek or possibly Michael Tate to uh, join us as well. And we'll have some fun talking some different aspects uh, of the game from a different point of view. Yep. Hopefully you can get Mark to be a guest host here while I'm gone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's our show. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you with another edition next week. It's called Poker Action Line, and you can pick it up on iTunes, on our website at PokerActionLine.com, on the PokerFuse podcast page, or as usual, every weekend on weekend nights on the Hold'em Radio Network at Hold'emRadio.com. We'll catch you next week with another show. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 